Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, show 103. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Sandy, how are you? I'm amazing. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well and excited to be back again for another uh, fun-filled, action-packed, uh, information-filled, you know, just exploding with everything real estate episode here that we've got for you today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. We've got a great guest standing by. And as always, want to encourage everyone to jump on over to our website, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Pick up our, our free report there, the ultimate strategy for building wealth in real estate and, and get on our email list so you don't miss out on any episodes. I get uh, notified of all our live shows we're doing, street tours, property tours, that sort of stuff. And uh, again, breakthroughreipodcast.ca. Yeah, as well, hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. That really helps the show, you know. Uh, if you like it, leave five stars. If you don't, let us know what, what things we could change. Our biggest complaint used to be our audio quality. I think we fixed that, Sandy. I think that we sound pretty good now. I'm not, I'm not sure 100%, but maybe over the last five, six episodes, we've gotten much better. I'd say so, yeah. I'd say yeah, so. so no more of those. Just uh, tell us what kind of guests you want to hear, what kind of information you want us to bring, that kind of stuff. So we're working on the audio stuff. We already know all of the concerns in that department. So, you know, we would love to hear, though, about content, what kind of stuff you want to hear, um, what kind of stuff you don't want to hear. And, uh, and, and, you know, also you can, going back to the website, you can uh, hook up with all of our past guests through the, uh, through the show notes. So, um, yeah, so I encourage you to go to both iTunes and uh, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Again, Sandy, what's new with you? What do you got going on? Give us an investor tip. Investor tip. Um, well, let's see. We are, a couple of things we just sorted out this the past week. We're, we're closing on a, a couple of buildings in the new year um, in uh, late January, I suppose. 12 unit and an eight unit um right here downtown hamilton and uh we uh we actually just had pierre paul turgeon out for one of our events and we had we were talking about the big bigger buildings and he was he was surprised at hamilton he was like laughing at the poor quality actually of the buildings and all these old buildings <laughs> he's used to the the nicer stuff out in uh out west there some of the newer like you know not a hundred year old buildings and um and it was it was interesting to hear his, his perspective on the places we were we were acquiring and uh he didn't, he, he liked them. He just said, wow, it was crazy how much work these are going to need. 
Um, but we like that. We like seeing the value add. We like putting in the sweat equity. Um, they take a little little while to turn over when they're when they're uh, when they're that size. It just takes a little while to remove remove tenants and, and get rid of them. But it's uh, it's fun doing that stuff. It's going to take a, pro- a little bit, you know, a couple of years probably to to turn those over and increase the uh, rents and get them up to the quality of places we like. Um, but that's what that's kind of what's on the top for us. That's exciting right now. How about you? Uh, me, same thing. You know, we've been hammering out these shows. So I'm still, I've got that six bucks tied up and still waiting for that to close early next year and uh, looking for the next, um, you know, single family home to transfer into two units around this area. So just uh, waiting for that next deal to pop up. So we'll what's see. I'll keep now? you posted what's, on that. What's hot now for you? Peterborough still? Peterborough's the hot spot, man. I've yeah. been, it's been cooking. Really good. Yeah. It's been really good lately. So if you're looking for a student rental, like what we do up there, Sandy, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but what we do is we're looking for um, the same type of property that someone might look for to, to add a second suite, just so we've got that in the back pocket, but we'll, we'll put uh, we'll register it as a student rental and the city's got a really unique, interesting um, label that they put on these. They're calling them large dwelling units and you can essentially run the place as a rooming house. I mean, there's more rules to it than that, but I'm dumbing it down just to, for the sake of, you know, explaining how it works there. And then, and then uh, you can have, you know, up to 10 bedrooms, which we haven't been able to do. You got to find quite the house to pull that off, but we've got a couple eight bedrooms, mostly six bedroom units, and then they'll pull in, uh, you know, 600 bucks a room on average. So with the purchase prices being what they are somewhere between, 375 and 450 still for something really decent that you can do that and it's just been uh explode explosion of uh of a market lately and and then the plan b is convert back to the duplex or maybe that's the yeah it's just a back pocket thing you know if you find that uh because right now like they only allowed secondary suites over the last year and a bit citywide you know, they were slow getting uh, on board where everyone else has in Ontario anyways. They, there's a mandate for, um, you know, rules around second suites citywide in all municipalities. They were a little bit slow. And so they've been allowing them for about the last year in all our one zones of the city. Um, so we don't have any comparable sales right now, though. There's nobody really like, there's nobody up there just hammering them out and putting them back on the market so we can get a good gauge of what, you know, the uh, ARV would be with something like that. So, so in the meantime, just make some good cash flow on the student rental. And then if it's, if you see that it's going to be worth, you know, exponentially more down the road, that, that might be the time to sink the money in and turn it into two units. Makes sense. Interesting. Exit strategies. It's important. <clears throat> um, well, Dave Dubow has been sitting here in the background patiently listening to all this yammering. That's good um, talking, guys. Uh, congratulations. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with the – I'm out here in BC, so the price points you're talking about are very appealing because there's yeah. absolutely nowhere around here you can get a, a house that size for that kind of price. So keep doing it while you can for sure, you guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up to you guys at some point, I'm sure. I'm not too anxious to get there. But when we do, everyone that's bought now will be pretty darn happy. They will be, definitely. 
Uh, Dave is here with us and he's going to talk about attracting investors and raising capital without rejections. So I'm excited to hear about that. And uh, thanks again, Dave, for being on. Really appreciate you taking the time to come out and talk to us today. Hey, Rob, Sandy, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on your show. And congratulations on six years and 102 episodes. That is absolutely fantastic. Hats off to both you guys and keep up the good work. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to read a little quick intro on, on Dave here for everyone so they know, uh, know a little bit about who he is. He's a real estate entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, and investor attraction expert based out of Kamloops, British Columbia. And he began his real estate career in 2003, doing 18 deals in 18 months, and later switched his focus to client-first rent-to-own deals. And nowadays, he invests in multifamily apartment building properties. And for the last several years, Dave has been the world's number one investor attraction uh, implementer, impl-mentor, uh, using his proprietary five-step money partner formula. And Dave helps his real estate entrepreneur clients grow their portfolios significantly in record time by attracting investors instead of just chasing after them. And I'm sure we'll get a lot more into that uh, through the episode. And uh, I've got a couple of links to share with, it, with, uh, with you all from from him and where you can connect with him deeper. And we'll talk a lot, bit, a lot more about that throughout the show. Uh, Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your investing journey so far? Well, thanks a lot, Sandy. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I, I stepped back and realized my very first real estate investment was way back, way, 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 way back when I was 12 years old. And I come from a, a, a family of... Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> And my mother was actually a go-getter. She was a, a single mom working full-time, raising me and my much older brother, um, and managed to build up a portfolio of over 50 properties back in the 70s and 80s. Um, so when I was 12, she and my older brother were working on a duplex, and everything about the house was, they're talking about doing this duplex deal, and I really wanted to get involved. So they said, well, how much money have you got? And I'd somehow managed to save up 200 bucks. And he said, okay, you can invest. And uh, they, then they affectionately said that I got to own the garbage stoop where the garbage cans were. So that was Perfect. my first <clears throat> Did you actually give them the, the money? I did, yes. Wow. All right. And, and uh, how did the, did you charge rent for that garbage stoop or how did you, <laughs> what was your return on investment of that one? Actually, you know what? That was, a, that was the, the early eighties and the real estate market in BC crashed at that time. Interest weight, rents, weight, rates went up to 18, 19, 20%. Unfortunately, mm. we ended up losing that property. So not a good, not a, not a happy ending to the rest of that story, but uh, that's how I first got into real estate investing. And, and after that, again, just watching the market recuperate and seeing how things were working. That's when I jumped back in in 2003 in a, in a serious way. Nice. So let's talk about that then. In 2003, what happened? Well, I've been living overseas, you guys, for uh, almost 14 years. Uh, traveled around Mexico and Central America. Ended up living down in San Jose, Costa Rica. You guys familiar with Costa Rica? I'm going there in, uh, we've got it booked already. Nice. February. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Nice. So I, I ended up in Costa Rica, fell in love with the country, fell in love with the people, fell in love with one specific person at that time, and ended up decided, hey, you know, here I am, I was 23. I, I thought, what the heck? Why don't I start a business down here? So uh, there I was. I was, it was kind of poetic justice. I was a pasty face white guy, Canadian 
wet back working illegally in Latin America. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started up a language training company. Uh, was was so dumb I didn't know any better, and and somehow kind of made it made it work. Uh, got married, had kids, had a pretty good life down there in Costa Rica. Um, and then in in 2003, my then wife and myself, he decided, you know what, let's move the family to Canada and start all over again from scratch. And sometimes people go, Dave, there you are, you're living in in tropical paradise, had a pretty good life, pretty good income, lifestyle down there is pretty nice because, you know, you can have maids and gardeners and all that kind of stuff that, that's a little bit more difficult here. And they say, why would you drop all of that and move back to Canada? And the reason is, uh, which a, a lot of your listeners who are first-generation Canadians can probably relate to, don't realize how good we've got it here until you live somewhere else for a while. So we decided that Canada was a much better place to bring our, our kids. So we packed everything up, moved to Canada, and I started all over again from scratch in 2003 uh, in a brand new city, Kamloops. We picked this area because of the, the climate more than anything. Um, and that's... That's where I where I got started. I was, you know, I was pretty much unemployable. I'd been self-employed for so long. Uh, I couldn't do what I was doing before. So I was up, stressed out late one night. Saw one of those, you guys remember those late night infomercials, the American gurus? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, si- signed up for one of those, pulled out the credit card, sent out for the course, and it was all about uh, low money, no money down deals, which was perfect for me at that time because that's exactly what I had. <laughs> so, so that's how I got started. Started doing creative deals, you know, the no money down, the lease options. So you got that program yeah. and implemented it. Actually, started working for you, and yeah, well, I had to Canadianize a few things. Right? Pardon? It's, it's all American stuff. I had to Canadianize a little bit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, that's kind of interesting that you would, you know, because I, I did sort of the same thing, but I needed that validation from a Canadian source before I took the jump, you know. Um, I would imagine a, a program like that wasn't cheap for you at the time either. Well, considering how much cash I didn't have, of course not. It was a, it was a bit of a leap. Mm-hmm. But it's all about the marketing is what I found because – so my initial claim to fame was 18 deals in 18 months, which is pretty cool. But what the cool thing is I'm in a pretty small market. So Kamloops at that time only had a population of about 80,000 people. Um, and the cool thing was I was able to do all of those deals without, without going through the MLS, without uh, working with realtors, without cold calling FISBO sellers. It was all through marketing and getting people to reach out to me, interested in me uh, making an offer on their properties. Mm-hmm. And when you started out, just real quick, because I'm sure there's going to be people that are very interested in that kind of stuff. There always is. Um, 18 deals in 18 months. They did not start as soon as your marketing hit the hit the uh, you know the, the the possible clients. I'm sure there was like three four months that nothing happened, or looking at properties where there was no deals and that kind of thing before the first one actually happened. Am I right there, or did they pretty much? Actually, you know what? I was maybe it was beginner's luck, but I got started <laughs> quickly. Yeah, I think within okay. the first two weeks, I had my first deal on the ground. Really? Wow. Yeah. And how did you now, identify that it was a deal at all? Well, I studied the hell out of those materials. <laughs> I mean, uh, I really that was that was a nice thing. I went in and we looked at different you know, you learn different strategies. So instead of just going in and making one offer on a property, 
you know, you make two or three or four different offers on the same property. And instead of it being a yes or no decision for the person, it's a, oh, which one do I choose? Right. Okay. So we could look at, do I want to do an option on the property? Do I want to do a lease option on the property? I want to do an assignment, kind of a wholesaling type deal. What do I want to do with this deal? And it just really depended, um, or in certain cases, just having the, had a few deals where the, the property owner basically just handed me over the house uh, <laughs> for a buck, you know, those kind of things. So it was, it was a combination of the marketing plus the timing of the market. It was kind of a, a slow market at the time. It wasn't really, really hot. So it was a good opportunity to get in on some good deals. Very interesting. Very cool. Now, we could now, probably spend here, guys. It sounds very cool. 18 deals in 18 months. And a few of them were really quite lucrative, but a lot of them were just, you know, crappy old mobile homes, make a couple of grand here, make nothing there. So, you know, yeah, a few of those deals were $35,000, $40,000 little pops and, and others were just kind of chugging along, but got very, very good at, at the marketing side of things. Well, and I'm sure you learned a ton, like, because there's probably people that have been investing for years who don't even know half of the terms that you just spat out there, you know, when you said what different types of offers that you would, you would send them. Right. Yeah. But you, but you know what I've figured out you guys, which you guys have figured out and is, is that kind of stuff's cool, but you're really not creating any long-term wealth, right? Cause you're just getting into, you're, you're doing a, I wouldn't call it a flip cause it wasn't actually, I'm about as handy as a foot. So I didn't fix anything up. I just kind of turned things around and sold it to a, a different end user. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. But as soon as you're done one deal, you have to find another one to replace it with, right? Versus buying a property, holding on to it long term and realizing all of the different profit centers in a real estate deal, right? So that makes a huge difference. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it sounds impressive, but I, I easily, because I didn't have the concept of buying stuff with cash or, or getting financing because I've been out of Canada for so long, I, I didn't qualify for any financing. And at that time, I had no clue about working with investor partners. I left a lot of really, really good deals on the table that I could have gotten if I would have been able to go in and buy them with cash. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with you there, but at the same time, for somebody in a situation where they don't have that capital to invest right off the bat, like this is a way that you can get into it. You can learn a lot. You can get into people's houses and, and actually lock them up without any money. Like you can actually do that. So, oh, yeah. so it's a great opportunity for people. And, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, although, and I found there was a lot of resistance actually from the very same people who, when I tried to stop assigning these kind of deals, right? I wanted to like at a, a certain point, you don't want to sign them anymore. So there's a lot of resistance from the people that you've been selling the places to, you know, especially when you go start looking for money partners, which is what we're going to sort of focus on here. Um, that they're like, well, no, I don't want to partner with you. I just wanted to pay the 10 grand and, yeah, and, and, and yeah, like yeah, you're, you're gone money. now after that. Exactly. They can make a lot more money paying you a five or 10 grand to get the deal than, than mm -hmm. partnering up with you on a deal. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Dave, you say raising money is the most important skill in real estate investing. Why is that? Well, you know what, you guys, once you've got the ABCs of how to do a deal, whatever strategy you're focusing on. So Rob, you're talking about, you know, you're, you do a lot of focus on student rentals. Once you, once you understand the, 
the basics of how a student rental works or, you know, Sandy, you're talking about you're, you're working with multifamily properties. Once you've got the ABCs of how to do five, sixplex or 12plex, then the next level of things is you need to start raising capital. You need to start attracting money partners and joint venture partners so you can do more of those deals because uh, everybody runs out of capital and or credit sooner or later. And I, you guys are probably aware of this, the 80-20 rule in life, the 80-20 rule in real estate investing. And that is that 80% of Canadian real estate entrepreneurs are stuck with one or two or maybe three properties in their portfolios. And then they run out of cash or credit to buy more and they stay stuck. And that's a real pity because what we want to, what I'm sure you guys want for your listeners is for them to get into that top 20%. And the top 20% of Canadian real estate investors are the ones that own 80% of the properties. They're the ones that get the lion's share of the cash flow, the lion's share of the net worth. And the reason is because they've under, they understand how to get more capital to do more deals. Does that make sense, you guys? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. <clears throat> so why is it... I mean, people understand the importance of it. Why is it such a challenge for others to raise money? Well, I don't know about you guys, but the idea of being rejected doesn't appeal to me too much, right? It, it takes me back to high school dating days, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody likes to be rejected. And, and most people, at least what I've found, is that they're petrified of, you know, doing what they're told they should be doing when it comes to raising capital, which is pick up the phone and start dialing for dollars. So we've all heard that, you know, pick up the phone, start cold calling people, tell them about your deal, start raising capital that way. Well, most people that I'm aware of understand that that is a long, arduous and painful process that's gonna require a lot of rejection. Or, you know, the whole networking schmoozing thing, go out and turn every conversation into a real estate conversation. Well, most people aren't very good at that and, and they aren't comfortable doing that. So what holds most people back is just that fear of making that first step, that fear of getting turned down, that fear of looking like coming across like they're desperate or needy. Does that make sense, Sandy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's uh, it's a hard thing to overcome to, to get that, your mindset around that. What is the, what do you, how do you get overcome that? Like what is, what is the thought process and what skills do you need to work on, I guess, to, to do that? Yeah, well, there, there's lots of things. Um, personally, you know, I'm a big fan of, of focus on what you're good at and don't necessarily spend a lot of time trying to, you know, improve your weaknesses, right? Focus on, on what, what's best for you, what, what's going to work best for you. So in my case, you know, I tried that. I remember it was very, very, it was a painful experience. The first time this really smacked me in the face. Uh, I'd been doing those creative deals got out of real estate investing for a while, uh, started doing some marketing for a, a major Canadian real estate seminar company, uh, got into the teaching and training side of things. Then I jumped back into real estate investing in 2010 and started doing client first rent own deals. So that actually required us coming up with money, down payment money to buy houses. And I was able to do self-finance my first couple of properties like most people, right? Most people get started, they self-finance. So that's what I did. And then I ran out of cash. And then I decided, well, okay, I better do what everybody tells me to do. 
Because I don't know, have you guys heard the expression, just find a good deal and the money will find you? I've definitely heard that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I think that's complete BS, or at least it was for me, because I remember I found this the ideal tenant buyers for my rent-to-own program. Uh, perfect, perfect scenario. Found the house, got it under contract. I crunched all my numbers. I, I saw after sharing my profits with my investor partner, I'd be able to walk away from this little two-year deal with about a $40,000 profit, which is pretty good. Um, challenge was I didn't have the investors on board. So I thought, okay, well, why don't I do what everybody tells me to do? So I started calling people and I got rejected, 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 and I got kind of a thick, thin skin, so I quit doing that. Uh, then I decided, okay, well, go turn every conversation into a real estate conversation. So I was part of the Chamber of Commerce. I went and did that at the Chamber of Commerce, B&I. Uh, I think I was part of Toastmasters at that time, all these different places. Nothing worked very well. I just got some weird looks and a bunch of business cards and nothing happened. Um, then I was starting to get desperate. I got an extension on, on the... Uh, closing date or on the subject removal date for financing there. And I thought, okay, well, why don't I do this? Why don't I put together a little package and email it to everybody I know? So that was my brilliant idea. And I tried that and I was kind of excited because I got a lot of responses back until I started reading those responses. And basically it was a, a lot of people saying, Hey Dave, you know, I haven't heard from you in five years, seven years, 12 years, whatever it was. And the first thing that's coming across my desk is, Hey, I got a deal. I'm looking for money. Have you got any? Right. So basically that was a complete flop. And I ended up ticking off a lot of really good potential money partners. Um, had to watch that deal collapse because I wasn't able to get the capital I needed in time. And that's when I decided, you know what, this sucks. I never want to be in this position again. I don't want to stay stuck with this small portfolio. So I better uh, start figuring out this whole how to raise capital thing. And that's when I started taking training classes and coaching and reading books and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of the stuff was just a rehash of, you know, cold calling and dialing for dollars and doing all this networky stuff that I already tried and didn't work for me. So what I decided to do, you guys, was apply marketing to finding investors and raising capital. So that's, that's what I focused on. And I cracked the code on it. I was able to raise uh, for the rent to own business uh, over a couple of years about $600,000 for different deals there. And then I kicked things up, started getting into multifamily properties, raised millions of dollars for, uh, for deals with that. And more importantly, since that, and since starting to work with clients, I've helped them raise tens and tens of millions of dollars, uh, probably getting close to the hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals uh, so far. That's, that's amazing. So we're going to talk about exactly how you did that in a minute. Um, but the, I guess the next thing we wanted to ask you is like, so you mentioned there that, you know, maybe some of the people that you were talking to, some of the people you sent that message to were people that not out of, you know, for whatever reason you hadn't talked to in, in some time. So um, when it comes to investor partners, who should the listeners be focusing on to get the best results? Yeah, well, that's that's a very good question, Robin. And the first thing is, I'll, I'll be happy to answer. The first thing is, you you want to do the opposite of what I did, <laughs> right? Okay. So don't do what I did. That was <clears throat> exactly what not to do. Don't just go out there and spam everybody you know with your deal right out of the get go. Because, again, a lot of the a lot of the people that you know haven't heard from you for quite some time. So, take a little bit of time to break the ice first before you start talking business. 
you guys, I'm happy to explain how that works if we have time here. But as far as who to focus on, that's really, really important. Um, and it's not just who to focus on, but who not to focus on. Because I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I see this all the time with people that are just getting started with raising capital is that they'll, they'll blast it out on social media. They get on Facebook. Hey, I got a deal. Anybody want to invest with me? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, some people will, will go out and actually take, put in ads in Kijiji and Craigslist and back in the day in the newspapers or those kind of things just saying, Hey, I've, I've got a deal. I'm looking for investor partners, which on the surface seems like it would make sense. However, there's this thing called the Ontario Securities Commission. Actually, every province has one. So every province has its own securities commission. And caveat here, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a securities, security specialist, I'm just sharing my understanding of how it works. So the securities commission is there to protect Joe Public against evil con artists, right? And unfortunately, over the years, there have been some, some real estate con artists and they've given everybody a bad name. So Basically, the, the government, the Ontario Securities Commission, says that unless you're licensed to do so, it's illegal for us to raise capital from the general public. Unless you've got a license or unless you jump through a lot of hoops and get the proper paperwork, like an offering memorandum or something like that in place first, it's illegal for us as mom and pop real estate entrepreneurs to raise money from the general public, right? Because they want to protect them. So uh, be very, very careful about promoting your deals to everybody and anybody because you could get into some serious hot water with the Securities Commission, all right? So you, you, you wanna avoid that. But fortunately, there are a couple of exceptions to that rule. And the first exception is we are allowed to raise capital from what are called accredited investors. And what's an accredited investor? It's somebody who's got uh, pretty high net worth and high income. So different provinces, different rules, but bottom line, it's somebody, I believe that it's earning at least $200,000 a year or $300,000 as a couple, net worth of $5 million, excluding their principal residence, a few different things like that. So in other words, rich folks, rich, <laughs> folks that have quite a bit of cash. Um, so if you know a, a bunch of those people, great, start with them. That's where I would start. Um, but if you're like most people, you don't know that many people, plus accredited investors, plus there's a lot of competition for their attention and their capital. So where does that leave us as mom and pops? Well, fortunately, there's another exception there. It's a little bit of a gray area, but the Securities Commission says we are allowed to bring on partners that are close friends and relatives and business associates, all right? So that's what I'm gonna suggest that we wanna focus on is what I call people in our sphere of influence, people that we already have that pre-existing relationship with. Does that make sense, you guys? Yeah, it does, absolutely. And we're talking about something different here, just to be clear, than what Sandy and I will most of the time cover, and that's just a straight up like co-venture agreement, buying a property together kind of thing. Right, Dave? Well, it could be that as well. And, and I'm gonna suggest even for a, a co-venture agreement, if you're bringing on, so when you say co-venture agreement, you mean, your partner's coming on, they're buying the property, they're coming up with the, the down payment, probably qualifying for the financing, and either they're on title or both of you are on title, is that correct? Yeah, like all different kind of structures, but something in that realm. Yeah, even there, I think we, we need to be careful about who we're, who we're approaching about that, okay? Because bottom line, if we're going out to the, the 
general public, I've seen a lot of people get in hot water with their securities commission. So be careful of that. Plus the other thing I found you guys is in order for somebody to invest a hundred, $150,000, whatever it is with you, they, they really need to know you, like you, and trust you. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Just, just makes sense. So if we're going out to the general public, they don't know us. They don't like us. They sure as hell don't trust us with their hundred, 150,000 bucks right off the get go. So, so it really is a shortcut if we go to those folks that we have that pre-existing relationship with in the first place. And the cool thing is you guys, and I've been doing this training and, and stuff like that for, for years now, in your cell phone, there's literally a million dollars of capital waiting for you to get access to, right? Because in your cell phone, chances are you got a bunch of contacts, people in your sphere of influence. Once you learn how to get the word out the right way, it's a fairly simple thing to start raising capital very quickly. Can you touch on a little bit about what that right way is? I guess obviously just calling them, calling your spheres, or is there a lot more to it than that? Well, again, say, uh, hey, give me money. Is that? <laughs> yeah, I'd rather stick a needle in my eye than make any more cold calls. To be <laughs> I, I'm just not, I don't have the intestinal fortitude. I'm with you. Right? So um, I've come up with this whole little, what I call a five step money partner formula. So the first step you got, if, if you guys want, I can go through a quick, quick, very, very quick high level run. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do That'd it. That'd be great. All right. So I've got, may or may not be able to see this behind me. I've got the big banner here. So mm -hmm. step number one is let's come up with this group of people that we're going to be reaching out to our, our group, our prospective investor contact list, right? So what I always recommend to people is let's start with a group of ideally 150 to 200 people that we can start communicating with, right? So people that are in your sphere of influence, people that you have that pre-existing relationship with. Everybody freaks out. I don't know, 150, 200 people. Yeah, you do actually. So if you take all the contacts from your cell phone, all the contacts from your social media, all the contacts from your email, and you dump them into one spot, chances are you got way more than a couple hundred people. So that's that's what we want to do first. But before we, we run out of the gate and do that clumsy stuff like, like I did, what I really recommend is that you reconnect you know, once you've got that, that group of 150, 200 people, reconnect with them on a personal level first before you start talking business. So what do I mean by reconnect with them? Well, nowadays with technology, it's easier than ever, right? So you can get, get those 150, 200 people, put them into a little database, a contact list, and send everybody an email. Or better yet, a couple of emails, right? So what these emails, these first few emails will be, it's just really catching people up on what you and your family have been up to for the last few years and then encouraging them to reach back out and reconnect with you. Does that make sense, you guys? So have a, a personal message first and then have some interaction with people. So if you send that out to 150, 200 people, chances are you're going to get 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 responses back to that. And that's really where the capital is going to lie further down the road, right? So have that personal connection first, and then we start talking business. No pitching, no pitching on email one. Definitely not. No, no. Avoid the pitching for a little while, right? Yeah. So that's the just first cute step. pictures of the kids. 
Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, yeah, the case. yeah. What works really well, you guys, is this, what we're doing right now, video. Video is absolutely amazing. So if you do a short little two or three minute video saying, hey, it's, you know, what, hey, it's Dave, chances are it's been a while since we reconnected. Thought I'd take a moment, catch you up on what I've been up to. So the wife, the family, the kids, whatever's going on, uh, tell them a little bit about that. And then at the end say, hey, well, that's what I've been up to, but enough about me. How about you? How are you doing? Please hit reply to this email and let's catch up. I'd really love to hear from you. Send that out to a couple of hundred people. You're going to get responses back. You're definitely going to get responses back and then have a little bit of back and forth with those people. Does that make sense, guys? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And uh, and anything else beyond that? That's, oh, your, sure. that's, well, that's your first step, right? Yeah, that's the first step. Next step is some of those people will probably be interested in finding out a little bit more about what you're up to. Because what I do is, is that first message is actually three steps. Couple, first couple are just warm and fuzzies. The third step is where I give people a heads up that I'm going to start switching gears and talking about real estate, right? So I, I give them the heads up that where I'm going to start doing the marketing side of things. Does that make sense, you guys? Mm-hmm. And then with these kind of things, we always tell people, hey, if you're not interested, that's okay. You can always unsubscribe. You can always opt out. So when we do that, chances are you're going to get some people showing some interest. So you want to make sure that you've got a presentation ready to go for when somebody says, hey, let me see what you're, what you're talking about. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, I've heard you should be able to explain your deals on the back of a napkin or get a yellow legal pad and a Sharpie and kind of explain it. I don't think it works well that way. I think you really need to have a good slideshow presentation, like a PowerPoint, something like that, that you can just whip out your laptop and walk people through and show them exactly what you're doing, the kind of deals you're doing, the market area that you're focusing in, who's part of your power team, and and really give them a good idea of what it's all about. Does that make sense? So it's Mm -hmm. all about creating that presentation. I like it. Pardon me? I like it. Yeah. So far, so good. So far, so good. I'm, I'm glad you like it, Rob. <laughs> the third one is constant, consistent communication. So it's all about the marketing, right? So now we got this group of people. Now we got our, our presentation ready to go. The big mistake I see so many folks making is they get off to a good start and then they fizzle out, right? We were talking about this with, with podcasts. The average, you guys have got 103 episodes. You've been going for six years. I was reading somewhere the average podcast has seven episodes and fizzles out, okay? So it's all about that consistency. The same thing with this. We've got to be treating our real estate investing as a business. So we have that marketing. You need to, need, stay, need to stay top of mind. So the way that we're able to get people calling us, reaching out to us, asking about our deals is to constantly stay top of mind with them. So uh, different things for marketing. You can do offline. You can do online marketing. I really like video logs. I think those are super effective. Electronic newsletters are very effective as well e-zines. So doing at least, you know, ideally a couple of those things. So they're hearing from you probably uh, at least a couple of times a month. Does that make sense? You guys? Totally. It all makes sense so far, Dave. Yeah. You're not going to get, you're not going to get a lot of quick, quick hooks right away, right on the first, first uh, first thing you send out. So consistency is huge. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Let's see if I agree with this next one though, Dave, I might not agree with the next one. Let's talk about it. You're you're being pretty easy on me here, Rob. (laughs) So the next one is all about really creating that trust factor, right? Because we talked about it in order for somebody, 
invest a hundred grand with you, chances are they need to know you, like you, and trust you. Exactly. So the beautiful thing about focusing on these people that you got your pre-existing relationship with is we got two out of the three already taken care of. And I don't know about you, but you know, me, myself and meatloaf say two out of three ain't bad, right? So it's two out of three. They already know us. They already like us. Now we just need you to work on that trust factor, getting them to trust us as a legitimate real estate authority, right? As somebody, a legitimate real estate expert. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a lot easier than most people think because most people think, you know, especially if they're hanging around with guys like you and they're, they're attending these big club meetings where there's people rocking and rolling and doing gazillions of deals. They say, well, Dave, I've only done one or two or three deals or whatever it is. How can I be seen as an expert? Well, the cool thing is, uh, are you guys um, are you guys familiar with Peter Kinch? Peter Kinch uh, wrote a book, the Real Estate Action Plan. He was part of the Rain. I think he actually has a. Does he have a podcast too, or am I wrong about that? He might. He might. Could but be. anyhow, <clears throat> Peter Kinch was like one of the the big um, mortgage brokers for real estate investors for many many years. And he was talking to a big wig, I think it was Genworth. Uh, Genworth. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that they, they did a study and they found that only 5% of Canadians have ever purchased an investment property. Now, your own home doesn't count, but only 5% of Canadians have ever purchased a revenue property of some sort. Now, I know that's hard for us to fathom because we're hanging around with real estate guys mm-hmm. all the time. So it just seems normal to us. But for the average civilian, they don't have the faintest clue about buying a revenue property. Does that make sense? And that's where the vast majority of the people in, in most people's sphere of influence lie. So 95%, you know, out of that 200 people, basically 190 of them probably have never purchased a revenue property. So if you've even got one or two or three deals under your belt, compared to them, you are an expert. Does that make sense, you guys? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I do agree with this one too. Okay. <laughs> so different ways to be seen as an expert authority. What you guys are doing is absolutely phenomenal. Like your podcast, six years, you're already you're you're seen as as what you are, which are credible real estate authorities. So what can the average person do if they don't have six years to build up a, a podcast following? Well, lots of things. First thing is how you dress. So if I'm going to go out and meet with a prospective investor, I'm going to suggest you want to dress at least business casual. So for a guy, that means I would suggest that you wear a blazer, nice slacks, nice shirt, uh, nice shoes, the whole bit. Look sharp. Even if you're meeting with your aunt Edna, who's known you since day one and used to change your diapers, doesn't matter. And the reason is because that, that shows aunt Edna some respect. And it also, even if she might bug you a little bit, it gets some respect from her as well. So how you dress is important. Um, Next thing is how you speak. So you wanna be able to succinctly, simply explain your strategy and your market. So you wanna be able to explain how your strategy works and why you've got such a really good real estate market. And you wanna be able to explain it at a level that I would say an 11 or 12 year old child would understand. Not saying that your investors are dumb, but if you can explain it at that level, it's easy for them to get. Does that make sense, you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's all sorts of other things that you can do. You can be interviewed on a podcast like you guys 
do all the time. You can uh, write books, you can do your own podcasts. There are many, many different ways to help augment your, your credibility and your authority. But there are a couple of, of easy ways to get started there. Does that make sense? I like it. What's the last one? Last but not least, you'll love this one, Rob, because this, this comes into play in so many businesses, but real estate investors don't pay enough attention to that. And that's the whole power of testimonials and referrals. So once you've got an investor or two under your belt and things are going well and they're happy with how it's going, it's so much easier to start what I call the snowball effect, mm -hmm. and really good testimonials and referrals from your current investors, right? Because chances are birds of a feather flock together. The people that you're working with know other people who could probably invest with you as well. Make sense? I like it because it's almost like autopilot. Exactly. So that's a little bit easier than the other steps. Once you get to there, sort of laughing. Well, yeah, except there are ways that a lot of people really kind of rest on their laurels here. Mm -hmm. There are ways to proactively go out and get these. In fact, uh, I've got a way that, that where you can get two for one. You can get a testimonial, a good video testimonial and referrals at the same time. So that's, uh, that, that's something that works really well. So I, I encourage people to proactively uh, ask for referrals and testimonials. They don't usually come in uh, just randomly. They don't come in without the ask usually, right? Yeah, that's Not true. Not as often as we'd like them to. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, even though people probably do, well, people like to refer people that they like. They like to give credit to someone who's helped them. They like to to do those things and they just don't have time, right? Unless you really you really need to make sure that they do it by asking them. Right. And there's a right way and a wrong way to ask them for it as well. So yeah, no, it definitely, definitely makes a lot of sense. So is this whole, is this all in your, uh, your program then? This is all part of your money partner formula that you offer people? Well, I actually don't offer, I don't offer a, um, a program per se. You guys, what I, what I do is basically I train people for free. If they want to run off and do it themselves, great. If they're looking for help to actually implement this, get this stuff done. That's what I do. So I offer Dave, sign me up then. I didn't, I didn't realize you were just doing this for free. Now, what is the incentive for you to do this for free? I mean, clearly if you've come up with this whole uh, system here, you could, you could, uh, you know what? I understand. Like we all want to share, like that's what me and Sadie do here. We don't ask for any money for this podcast. So I get it. But I mean, this is a lot of your, a lot of your time I'm sure is taken up by people that want to get this free information. And now, I'm sure that you're going to get some calls from this. So I didn't re I actually had no idea that you were giving it away for free. I thought this was a system that you, that you offered to people that could, you know, that could help your business and, and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've got kind of a different theory, you guys. So basically what I do is, is I show people how all of this works. And then if they're looking for help to actually do it, I've got, I guess you could kind of call it a marketing agency where we help people to actually implement everything that I show them. I see. So that's the business side of things for myself. But if people want to kind of get a, a better idea of how the whole process works and see it more visually, uh, they can check out a little uh, presentation I put together about that at investorattractiondemo.com. I see. So this is the free crack. That's then the you got, you got to pay for the, for the rest. For the done for you service. Done for you. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Yeah. No, no, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, no, because uh, absolutely like something like this is invaluable, especially if you're going to teach like, um, I mean, well, they're all important, but I think number two, 
you know, putting together something to show potential investors. That's probably one of the most important things because like you said, all the contacts are in your phone. You, you've just got to know what to give them. Yeah. Right. So that's a really so important people, step. So many people are stuck with that. They're so freaked out about that. They've never done presentations. They, they think they need to be a super slick presenter or they think they need to be salesy or something like that. And nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, that can work against you. It's much better that you come across as, as yourself, as, as your genuine self and, and have what I call a, a friendly grown up conversation. So you're just showing people what you've got. And here's the kind of the counterintuitive thing. Here's the big mistake I see a lot of people doing. They just show the good stuff. But when you show the good stuff and you show the potential pitfalls and how you minimize those potential pitfalls, it's so much more powerful, right? Because people's BS meters calm down when you show them what the downside of a deal could be. And mm -hmm. let's be perfectly frank, right? There's always a downside to everything. It's not all sunshine and flowers. You guys have been around the block a few times. You know that not every single real estate deal ever goes completely according to plan. That's just life, right? So if you tell people that up front, it just, it, it generates so much more trust and actually uh, helps you to get more investor partners on board. I was going to segue into the, the challenges there. I don't know if you were going down the same thought, but I was going to- We think alike, I think you and I. <laughs> it sounded like it sounded like he had a, a, some challenges, like everyone has had some challenges over the years. Definitely not every real estate deal is perfect. Um, never, don't remember one ever that was totally 100% smooth. So- Tell us about a challenge you've encountered over the years and uh, how you've overcome uh, either that one, one uh, challenge or if you have a couple, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, that, that's one of the challenges with, with rent, the rent-to-own strategy. A typical rent-to-own strategy, it's great when the market's going up. Not so great when the market goes flat or goes down, right? It's, an appreciation, it's, it's completely an appreciation-based strategy. Right. So again, I did that for several years and it was great when it was going great, but then we hit a hiccup with the market and things slowed right down. So we had a couple of deals where our tenant buyers flaked out, decided not to, not to purchase or more, more typically the, the bank wouldn't appraise the house at the pre-agreed upon price that we had for it. Right. Mm -hmm. so that, that causes some challenges. So what it causes challenges is if, if you got a two-year deal and now you need to extend it to four years in order for the market to catch up to get where it needs to be for you to sell it for the agreed upon price, well, now that's, that's two years longer than your investor partners originally wanted to be on board on this deal, right? So a big mistake I made back in the day was just showing everybody the, the sunshine and flowers side of things and not showing what could be some of the pitfalls. And that came to bite me in the butt several times because again, I'd, I'd set up these expectations that due to no fault of my own, but to the market, I wasn't able to fulfill, right? So got some ticked off people there. So again, learning through, you know, <laughs> learning through trial and error uh, is, is, is okay. But if you can, if you can skip that and just learn from somebody else's dumb mistakes like mine, it's going to save you so much time and trouble, right? That probably goes back to, you know, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. And how are you supposed to present what challenges might come up if you're unaware of them, I guess, at the time? Right, right. Well, that's why it's important, you know, that ideally you're, you're working with people, you've got associates that you're, mm -hmm. that you're familiar with who have done these kind of deals, who have been 
through a few cycles who can point you, you know, everybody looks like a genius when the market's going up, right? But go through a few market cycles and if you're still a, an active real estate investor, that's the kind of person that really knows how the whole game works. And then on the other side of that rental and thing, you might have a, a market that's taking off substantially and now you're leaving a bunch of money on the table on the other side of the deal. That's happened to me as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, well, thanks for that. I'm not doing rental anymore. Maybe that's uh -huh. got apartment buildings. Yeah. Are you doing uh, apartment buildings in Kamloops? Is that, where, is that where you focus or is there another market? Yeah, I, what I do these days, Sandy, is I partner up with active partners who are who are booting the, on the ground kind of people. I help raise capital for the deals. I get a piece of the equity uh, ownership stake in the in in the property. So we've got properties in uh, in Ontario, outside of uh, Ottawa, as well as uh, northern Alberta as well. Okay, I was I was suspecting there's not a ton of those in Kamloops. Um, there's some. They the cap rates just don't seem to make too much sense right now. It's, it's they probably don't come up for sale too often either. I wouldn't Not imagine. No. So again, I'm, I'm focusing on, on markets where I've got active partners. Okay. All right. Now, if people wanted to um, learn about that, how do they find the uh, money partner formula? Is it okay if I, if I give your listeners a, a freebie? You guys okay with that? We love freebies. You love freebies? You've already right. given us so many freebies though today. All right. Well, so I got, I've got the book, Money Partner Formula. PDF version, they can get this just by going to my website, which is conveniently enough the same as my name. So it's davedubeau.com, D-U-B-E-A-U.com, davedubeau.com. And they can uh, just click on there and get a free PDF version of that money partner formula. And again, that kind of walks them through the whole process. It shows them how they can reach out to me if they want some one-on-one uh, -on -one help about that. Or again, they can they can watch the whole presentation, kind of the visual walk through the whole process at that InvestorAttractionDemo.com website. Perfect. Very cool. Would you suggest that's the best way for people to get in touch with you then? Yeah, either one. Uh, DaveDebo.com. That's my direct. That's my main website. Okay. That's a good place to start. <clears throat> and that'd be the place where they can get the book. That's where they can get the book. Exactly. Well, uh, everyone, if you go over to the show notes, the link to Dave's website will be in there. And the other one that he mentioned as well will be in there. Uh, and any other links that Dave sends over to us will be also there. So uh, anyone who wants to reach out to him, I'm sure you can do that through your favorite uh, media source. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? 289-389-6846 or... Uh, Sandy at McKay Realty Network.com. You can reach me at Rob at Mr. Breakthrough.ca. We can talk about all that stuff that Sandy and I were talking about at the beginning of the show. So just reach out to me there if uh, anyone's interested. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure, gentlemen. Rob, Sandy, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, real pleasure. And again, congratulations. You guys are just rocking it with your podcast. Uh, I, I hope I can be as good of a podcast host as you are when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, mention you've got a podcast. Mention that too. Yeah, I interviewed you sure. on it not too long ago, Rob. I, I was I, on I, it. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. It's the Property Profits Podcast. Property Profits Podcast. I think propertyprofitspodcast.com is where you can find those episodes. Perfect. Bit of a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
but we got it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that awesome. link, yeah, yeah that awesome. link will be in the show notes as well. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, everyone listening. We'll see you next time.